Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Matt, and he sent me a document, a very interesting kind of philosophical treatise. The title of the, the work that he has written is A Methodology of Control and Surrender in Our Shared Reality. So he's going to kind of talk about his view of really reality and uh, expound on a variety of different topics within that kind of outlook. So Matt, are you there? Hi, William. Yes, I'm here. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, reaching out to me. Can you talk about what led you to write this this treatise, a, a methodology of control and surrender, and uh, give the kind of audience an, an idea of what your overarching view is, and then add an intro to that about, about your ideas? Yeah, sure. So I originally uh, studied um, sort of political science um, and noticed that things that you know, I was being taught didn't actually add up, you know, the way in which people were talking about, you know, politics and their actions were not in sync. So, you know, I, I started um, researching myself into these sort of tricks and the, the tricks that people use to control people. Um, and I, you know, about a decade ago, started upon this, this theory that was based on, you know, a methodology of political science or a methodology of comparison um, of epistem epistemology. And this is where I've come up with this uh, concept, which I think, I believe, you know, I've created to sort of help people to be more confident in their belief in God um, and in, in an understanding the weakness of these, the, the control mechanism. Gotcha. So it's a, you would would you juxtapose control mechanisms with this kind of objective reality of a, of a, an external god? Got it. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. So and, uh, yeah, please, no, go ahead. Please continue. Yeah, I was going to say just to sort of. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to you for the work that you do. Yes. I think that you know illuminating the public as to sort of the cults and groups of that type, I think is you know, really something uh, to be admired. I just wanted to, yeah, thank you for that. But what I, I wanted to sort of talk about is the methodology is to sort of allow us to understand our reality by comparing the subjective and objective divides. The subjective is everything we can see with our eyes. Um, it is everything of the impermanent world which we live in. And the objective is everything else. So God, love, chi, perhaps what happens when we die in the unknown. Mm -hmm. um, and as I mentioned, I sort of stumbled across this as part of a political science thesis, but through years of research and contemplation, I've realized it provides a framework for understanding and improving our relationship with God by acknowledging how little we can understand about it or him or whatever, however we view God. Um, yeah, it seeks to sort of give strength to those that would be manipulated by the complex control system. Um, it sort of reveals the weakness of any theory that is based on any form of duality, such as new age doctrines or paganism, um, or theories that seek to sort of provide answers for things which we can't know about, for example, like how God looks or what will happen in the future or anything like that. Gotcha. So what I've found is that there are essential objective truths that can be sure that we can be sure exist, such as love. 
but that humans add layers of subjective complexity on top of these truths to manipulate, control, or simply to make money. You know, and this is a lot of the work that you do is showing these tricks and and the organizations that sort of put these out to society and, and manipulate people. Um, I'm doing right. a couple of sort of Bible passages as well to try okay. and, you know, bring, so we can all sort of understand together. In, in James, they say, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And this is a really key aspect. Um, it's important to keep this very simple. People like to talk a lot, and it just has to be Go ahead, please continue. The world is a massive subjectivity. We are born with our ego. Slowly, uh, we learn the ways of the world and we build our ego, which is a massive subjectivity and it is of this world. We are given free will and everything that comes along with that. Through indoctrination, we allow dualities to be born within us. We can believe these concepts. In reality, how we are inside of us does not age and is not subject to what we are told outside of us unless we let it be. This is really key. The young, easily manipulable, and the weak-minded are far more susceptible to this form of indoctrination and manipulation. And I think this is something we see a lot of. So, for example, like the son of Sam, um, you know, I was watching the documentary on uh, Netflix. I know you've discussed that. And we see a weak-minded individual under a form of mind control. And I think, you know, when that mind control came in or whatever is up for, you know, I'm not an expert on that. We see, you know, throwing ideas, uh, weakness, uh, lusting for power, these sort of things uh, from external uh, sort of individuals. Right. Um, the more that we hold on to the subjective, the further we move from God. And we need to let go of the subjective and the things we have learned and seen in this world. And a good way of understanding subjectivity in our reality is by considering Kirch's diagram regarding the problem of diversity, which is cited in the secret teachings of all ages. Here we can see 18 objects, and it counts the number of ways in which they can be combined. And through considering this concept, we can explain how life can never become monotonous. In terms of combinations... Let me see, let me see if I can pull that up for the screen so people can see that. This is interesting. It's Athanasius Kircher, Kirchner, right? Correct. And he was kind of almost like the German Leonardo da Vinci. So super smart polymath type guy. So this is showing the complexity of human human life, correct? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Of everything we can see. Gotcha. And in terms of combinations, uh, you know, I can't even count. Millions, millions of combinations probably. Yeah. saying is that to you know to give yourself over to the the subjective 
is, is you're in, it's disobedience from God, and you're you're sort of allying, I suppose, in a way with the, with the devil. Yeah, and you, you can see kind of corollaries within the Bible where you're supposed to be focusing on kind of the objective, as you would say, maybe put your coins in heaven, think about your heavenly reward. So you're kind of, uh, what the, what's going to matter if you get all the money in the world and lose your soul? So you see those similar themes are interspersed clearly, for me, very clearly in the teachings of Christ. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. So, you know, I believe that God is the creator um, and nothing can be created like life itself in our reality and therefore God exists. It's quite a simple thing for me personally. I know a lot of people would have different opinions, but that's fine. Um, you know, and in Exodus, God created uh, the world and created duality also using his voice or through sound. And I think that's, that's key here. Um, that being said, I believe you know, God is unknowable and what happens before after life is unknowable, and that's also objective fact. Some people pretend to know elements of these unknowable areas to control others. And that's why I thank God for people like James Randi, whose $1 million challenge sought to reward anyone who could demonstrate a supernatural or paranormal ability under agreed upon scientific testing criteria. And that challenge tested over a thousand people and not one was successful. Um, and I mean, is it that these things exist but can't be proven empirically? Um, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'll come on to that. Okay. Um, and whether you believe this next part or not is not really essential to the overall theme, but I think it just sort of illuminates a little bit. So the concept is that Pan plays his pipes and plays the note to this reality. Indeed, he is this reality. We live in the reality of dualities each of which is subjective. It's an ambivalent reality. Um, if we consider another version of Pan or Satan, to further evidence the point, the Baphomet embodies our reality. The Mason's pursuit is to achieve dominion over this reality through the mastery of all dualities, yeah. mastery over the subjective. You could even throw that in witchcraft and everything like that. If you look at the pentagram, it's earth, air, fire, water, spirit, but they have control over everything. That's what their their view is. So it actually, I would almost you could almost argue it's satanic or satanism, or occultism has that view of mastering this reality. Sorry, that's the yeah. song of Black Sabbath, right? Master of Reality, or is it their album? I don't remember. Sorry, I, I'm not sure, but I totally agree. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the evidence is there. Um, through this, through this mastery, they can become the enlightened individual, the embodiment of six six six. And in this way, they can, in their opinion, become a god themselves, the ability to create themselves, the power of which is ultimately God alone. This allows them, in their opinion, mastery of the subjective and the ability to become a master magician or scientific occultist. These okay. people produce uh, repeatable so-called magic. And whether one believes themselves to be a black magician is again subjective and involved in duality, which is of this reality which we see. They would see their abilities as manipulating the objective, but again, it's of this reality, and hence of the devil. So, going back to music, why do musicians flash the devil horns? Well, probably to show a symbol to the fellow believers, right? So the insiders know, and the outsiders just kind of go, "Oh, that's 
He's just making weird hand signs, right? So it's dual meaning, dual approach, dual symbolism, maybe, for the insiders and not outsiders. Yeah, quite possible. But I believe it's also like a thing. I mean, um, firstly, I think they're manipulating the audience through sound for self uh, sort of aggrandization. And secondly, they're manipulating the subjective attachment again. And it's almost like, um, you know, a badge of a badge of honor to say, you know, I'm unpowerful. I'm manipulating you. You know, I'm, you know. Right. No, but that's also another thing. Sorry to interrupt, but that's another theme within occultism. It's almost like something I've seen almost with every occult group is not just the doctrines of the Satanism, but how to manipulate other people. It's almost like a hand. I've said it before, like a handmaiden in the occult. And it's it's even in occultists who haven't even read each other. It's the same thing. How do you manipulate other people? I actually talked about that yesterday about the vampire cult of this kid, Rod Farrell, 16 years old. That was part of his doctrine, even at that early age. So sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. It's absolutely true. I, I think it's always something that people come to um, naturally when they're that way inclined. Okay. Uh, and again, both those concepts are of the devil or of this reality. So that, in my opinion, is the trick of life. The devil is in the detail. Um, in Thelema, it's love is the law, love under will, um, i.e. the nature of the law of Salima is love, but love itself is subsidiary to finding and manifesting one's authentic individual selfish purpose. Again, the subjective over the objective. We see it over time and time again. But at what point does subjectivity become possible? And when does the objective become the subject? Anything in this reality, when looked at in isolation, is subjective. Every leaf on a tree could be studied and documented, every snowflake, although seen as pseudoscience, uh, the concept of life force or chi is well established. And we can see evidence of the appreciation of this concept in Eastern and Western culture. Right. It's named a different force, right? So there's different names for chi. Someone I can't uh, grill. Different cultures have a different name for that kind of energy or life force. Sorry. Um, it's a central part of Chinese traditional medicine. Acupuncture seeks to manipulate the energy pathways in the human body, and we can perhaps see similar practices with the use of menhirs on ley lines. It might also be seen as life force, uh, these sort of things. But again, not something that's really empirically proved. This is the Bible talks about surrendering to God, and in other words, surrendering to the objective and foregoing the ambivalent benefits of the subject. But how, in my opinion, do we do this? I think that firstly, we must not lie. We must be true to ourselves. And we must forgive ourselves for not achieving the things our subjective reality has convinced us we must achieve. The Lord will provide. Put your love in the Lord as they say in the Bible. And um, here's a piece from the Bible about putting love in God. In Thessalonians. Major, right. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, that's the central tenet. It's kind of like God's will, right? Love God, do God's will instead of your own will. So you can see that differentiation between the Lima and Christ's teaching where it's you're supposed to kind of not in an Islamic sense submit, but you're supposed to give in to the will of God over your own kind of will. Or, you know, not give yourself up, but definitely understand what God's ideas are. Sorry. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. I mean, my, my wife is a Christian and we discuss these sort of concepts and, you know, very much so. 
uh, and that's you know why I'm referring to the Bible because I believe that there's a lot of good in it. Um, you know, whether people say, oh, it's been rewritten here or whatever, or this person controlled it. You know, I know you've spoken to people who have said those things. I still feel that there's a lot, uh, a lot in there that's very good and, and can help people to live a good life. So, yeah, even some of those critiques of like control, you can still compare these so-called controlled Bibles by King James or whatever and somebody else. And there's a lot of more similarities and differences. But some stuff has been left out, but it's still, the themes are still there, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so there, this piece is from uh, Thessalonians, and it says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And another piece about surrendering to God from Romans. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think these things back up the theory that you, you know you need to surrender to God, follow your heart. We all have the choice to utilize the subjective for good or bad, to control or uplift. Indeed, we can become addicted to this control, but we can let all of it go. I believe in objective love and surrender. But if I was asked about why we must live, I would say the following: we must consume that which was once alive to survive. And so I think we don't live in heaven. I think that can be clear. Um, considering when we are born, we have no recollection of past lives. It's logical that we lose this subjectivity or ego and go on as perhaps energy alone when we die. Uh, we come into this world from objective love or energy of God and may leave us the same. I believe we are all God's children and are given free will. And the more selfish we are and the more power we give up to our self-obsession, the further we move from God and the less love we have inside of us. So... You know, I just wanted to talk briefly about my journey and how I okay. got to this point. You know, I had a simple upbringing, but I did, when I was younger, follow this objective. My ego and I sought worldly places and rewards. Um, you know, I, when I was younger, I did a lot of the Ouija board. I, I read the tarot and these sort of things. I spoke to entities and stuff like this. Um, ended up speaking to something really quite nasty. So I, through this, I'm not saying that I... You know, I'm saying there's nothing bad in the world, but what I'm saying is that through surrender and through love, these things I don't believe because we're not seeking them out. They can't damage us. Do you, is your worldview Christian or are you referencing the Bible or what is your, I mean, I would say some of these ideas about chi or life force may be something that I wouldn't say it's a, certainly not a central theme within Christianity. I mean, what's your worldview? Yeah, for sure. I would agree that they're not um, Christian, but I, I think that, you know, we need to, um, you know, I was raised a Christian. Um, I wouldn't say I wasn't a Christian. I think that many of the central sort of things I believe in, you know, and I, it's just when subjective things get added on top, that's when yeah. I struggle with it. <laughs> There's two years of that in Christianity, I can assure you. I could write 10 books on all the additions to so-called Christianity, which are supposedly Christianity, which I could contend against. But yeah, I mean, that's why I recommend people read the Bible is just because then you can see what the original statements were, right? Not what somebody else is telling you, what church is telling you. And I think it goes into the theme of your work here, too, is that there's a lot of other additional stuff and stuff. But yeah, so so 
do you believe so to you christ isn't the messiah he's a teacher but there's also kind of like a maybe an eastern influenced afterlife with energy no no, no. i don't believe anything I, I i say that yes christ could be the son of god or not i don't see these things as being integral to our experience you know i believe that if i follow my heart and follow love that these things aren't important anyway so for example whether the the world is round or flat you know you had someone coming on trying to tell you the world is flat uh, you know i i think there's a lot more that you know bringing love into the world i feel is um, the most important thing that i should be doing and in that way i'll be doing what it probably says in the bible anyway well, I would. I mean, if you want to distill Christianity into two things, it's love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, if you love people, then your your half of that is fulfilled. The other half, I mean, you in your in your work here, you are saying that there's an external God, but your perception of that is not particularly within this uh, maybe the original Christian outlook. Would you agree with that? I, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I think this is really interesting. I think it's very fascinating. So I'm just kind of more curious about your outlook. I mean, you like you can say you're like a lot of Christians are born into Christianity like me and you, but it doesn't necessarily, it's like putting a label on something. It doesn't mean that it's from the inside out. And then if it is, then it's like, well, what type of that is? Are you a Seventh-day Adventist, Mormon? Do you think that Christ was a hippie? You know, what's your what's your full Christian? Because there's a lot of facets to even the teaching. So there's a lot of things in there. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but please continue. I think these things are very important to discuss. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess you know the final bit about myself, uh, and I think this will sort of help to bring that out a little bit. So while I was following this the subjective and what people were telling me, you need to be rich. You need to be successful so i went into a career in sales and i pushed myself to the limit and so so stressed i eventually uh got a disease uh, called sarcoidosis and during that they told me oh you've got advanced cancer before they actually um, worked out exactly what i had and then i was sent to the prince charles center for alternative medicine and there i had ear acupuncture um and it made me very interested in the energy body and this concept um, because, you know, perhaps it's not, you know, uh, you know, something I discussed with my wife is that things like perhaps yoga or meditation aren't really viewed in a positive way in Christianity. Um, and I think, you know, when I was listening to something, you know, uh, Charlie Manson said about, um, you know, that, that something to do with clearing your mind, that they would go and try and clear their mind and all of this. But it, ultimately what they're doing is manipulating. So it's not just purely clearing your mind. Um well, I think in Manson's case, it's clearing your mind so he can put what he wants in, right? So that's the difference. That's the difference between a cult leader and maybe clearing your mind of all of your worries and cares or whatever. Sorry. Yes, totally agree. So anyway, I then went and tried to make my reduce stress, try and make my sort of uh, work on my energy body and what was going on in, in, inside of me. And I, I, I traveled and I went to some sort of Buddhist. Um, temples in, in Thailand and started meditating there and was taught how to meditate and there I you know was able to I learned to sort of stop my mind just from going and going and going and be able to really relax and I, I feel like that's where I found love inside of me 
um, without any emotions involved, you know, something that is sort of very delicate and can be lost. Um, what I believe the most powerful thing that, that we that we have. Do you um, still kind of practice that meditation? Do you do you have that kind of? I mean, in Thailand, it's Buddhism, right? So their practice is Thai Buddhism, or I don't even know what variation there. But do you still think? Do you feel like that type of practice helped heal you? Um, I I, I just think it helped mentally. Um, it's a form yeah. of healing, mental healing for sure. Yeah. I mean, not physical, but the yeah. mental mind-body connection is real. So, I mean, if you're mentally in trouble, your body can definitely feel that. So, I think that that's for real. So, that may be actually the foundation of a lot of illness, actually, psychosomatic or not, mind-body connection. Sorry. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And then I, I, because I then learned Tai Chi. And I spent a long time learning Tai Chi, and I did it every day, and I just learned it, did it over and over and over again. And that, I think, is something wonderful. Um, I think that everyone should practice. Um, so you're doing the kind of perform movements, things like that in time. That's kind of Falun Gong uses that as well, right, the modern. I think they integrate Tai Chi. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I know I'm familiar with Tai Chi, but that's Chi, right? So you're not just manipulating your body but you're trying to move those energies through the body that's the intention right yeah correct um you know and raising the sort of chi level in the body and again i'm no expert it's just something that i practice because i feel it has a real positive effect and when i went to the classes the people there were you know either ill or you know elderly um, and i was probably the youngest person there um, because I was trying to get better from my illness. And I, I just think it's a very powerful thing. I think it's something that is un, um, not understood. Correctly. It's not Western. I mean, I think the Westerners view that, but they don't know. They think it's a form of mere exercise. I think they don't see the deeper intent, I think, behind that practice. Would you agree with that? I, I would definitely say so. I mean, you know, I've some of my friends i've tried to <laughs> teach it to etc they just they just laugh i mean it's just not you know there's no real understanding of it here with some people there is it's um, very eastern i would say i mean the idea of chi isn't just chinese but there's they're much more eastern and some westerners kind of tinker around with energies of body but yeah yeah there's a fascinating show if you ever watch it's a great documentary it's called the ring of fire and it's these two English guys go down to Indonesia and they look around and they found a chi master and they couldn't figure out how he was doing it. But he had somehow powered his body like an energy with with what you call. I don't know what they call it in Indonesia, but it's the same concept. But he was able. I'll, I'll send you the clip. It's really remarkable. He was able to force chi out of his hands. And these guys could not figure it out. The Westerners were looking at him just like, what? This is like nothing I've ever seen. It's really something else. I'll send it to you. Ring of Fire. It's really a fascinating, like, uh, ethnographic documentary, too. I would recommend it to you and, and the listeners, too. I'll see if I can put a, a link to it in the thing. But I think for somebody like you, you'd find it super fascinating if you're interested in Chi. Yeah, I'd like to see that. And, and strangely, I, I remember, I recall one day sitting outside, we were doing a class, and, you know, it's going to sound really odd, but... I remember sitting there outside and there was an elderly lady and she was doing it. I could see 
chi coming out of her hands. Well, and I mean, that's not you. I, I, if someone said that to me, I hadn't seen it. I would say, okay. Yeah. But once you witness something, and I think it's because you get onto that level anyway, you're at that sort of very relaxed level anyway. I don't think it's something you can see. But anyway, that's, uh, you know. That's interesting. Know. Let me show you this. This is, uh, this is the Ring of Fire. The Ring of Fire, an Indonesian odyssey with Lorne and Lawrence Blair. And they took a decade, but I think it's they're following like the Russell Wallace. They talk about human sacrifice, but there's a really fascinating one. I'll have to try to find the piece out of that. But uh, this was done from the UK. It's in English, so you can check it out. But this is I would highly recommend this from 1988, way back in the day. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. No, there's a chi tie into this too, but I, I this this little piece here on uh, Wikipedia doesn't show it, but I would highly recommend people watch this. Sorry. No, that's fine. So the next thing I want to talk about, and it's just I, I, again, it's just like a thing I thought I should mention is that I also did DMT at, at one point and and received some sort of messages when I was doing that. Um, How did you obtain it? Were you in a ayahuasca or yage, or did you have like the distilled DMT? Yeah, distilled. A friend of mine who uh, made it, and uh, I, I did it with him. Uh, the first one was that I was doing the right thing, and the second one was that I needed to look after more the female aspect in my life, which I thought was very. Uh, and, and I can't say how I got these messages, but it just—I it, mean—it's very, very powerful. So did you, would your experience with that, would you say that that's positive? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the feeling of love that I got was so strong. I think that, you know, perhaps to some people who aren't, because I'm quite grounded, you know, I've done all these things, I've gone on this journey, and that's why I felt like I wanted to do it. Um, I, as I said, I was a seeker, but once I'd done it, I would never do it again. Interesting. So you only needed really one. Did you experience the thoughts? Did they come at you as an entity? They talk about like a green man. Or anything like that or did was it just the ideas go into your head or how, how did that those ideas get transferred to you um, so i've done it i think four times um you know over about six months and then the last time i thought no that's definitely it and i i, I when i was getting the messages uh, it was when i was taking the most and the fourth time i think it was on that evening i did meet an entity and it was sort of in front of me of many colors and I didn't really realize, but then I could see it was sort of, there was a, uh, it was moving as if alive. And I felt complete calm and um, love with this being. I didn't, I, I wasn't seeking anything. I didn't, you know, I wasn't seeking escapism or, and then I came back, I had the messages. I knew what I needed to do. Interesting. Um, and now I don't need to do that again. Did you feel like you were taken out of time, time and space when you did that? Because I mean, everything, everything, yeah. Because they call it the spirit molecule. Molecule, like there's one supposedly views view of DMT is that like it's a spiritual event or other. It's something else, but it's very unique. I've never done DMT, but I've heard it's very a unique experience. I've never felt compelled really to do that. But I'm, I know I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I want to show you this video. I found it. This is it. This is watch this guy use chi. I want to. It will take a little break out of here. Watch this. This is amazing. Do you have the, is the audio coming through? Is the audio coming through to you? Okay, let's see this. Can you hear it now? 
suffering from a bad eye infection at the time. A cameraman's cause for panic. Lawrence had heard of a man who might be able to help and dragged me to him despite my reservations. Is it in? It's acupuncture. You just relax and enjoy it all. He uses acupuncture needles in the traditional points, but with a twist. Through them, he directs a form of electricity, as he calls it. But he doesn't draw the electricity from a wall socket. He claims to generate it within his own body. It was nothing like any acupuncture I'd ever had. I was getting really powerful electric shocks and couldn't control my movements at all. He says that what he does is no more supernatural than an electric eel, which also knows how to harness its yin and yang energies. Yin uh, yang, positive and negative, you know? Mm -hmm. My positive from here and my negative from here. Mm -hmm. And we meet together, this can get uh, like electricity. And is this because you're special? You have a special sort of... Uh, no, it's body? meditation every day. It's meditation? It's meditation every day. Like a yoga. Uh -huh. But I studied about 18 years. 18 years? 18 years. From, from my childhood, from my child before. Can you project this energy through your hands only or through other things as well? Like you can touch me? Like this? It's nothing, okay? It's my burn. It's like this. <laughs> Our sound recordist, Simi, was skeptical at first. <laughs> Later, he told us that anybody could learn this. God had given us all the yin-yang polarity, but it takes discipline and meditation to awaken and control it. And you must be very aware of your emotions. This energy can be dangerous. It can kill as well as heal. Then he asked for our newspaper. Whatever he had done to our newspaper, it's how he'd healed my eyes that made me wonder. What do these people living in the shadows of the volcanoes still know that we of the West have forgotten? Something else, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he says, I mean, he says it's from God, but yeah. So anyway. That's, that's a hard one to explain away, but uh, yeah. So anyway, sorry for the distraction, but I think it's kind of within the theme of what you were talking about. So can you, so Tai Chi worked for you, right? For sure. 
And then would you say your experiences with Ouija and tarot were positive or negative? Or I, positive because you learned against it or what? Like, I, I, Yeah, it, it taught me that those are things that we don't need to be messing around with. I think that there are things that people perhaps don't understand. Um, that there may be a level to this. Um, and I believe the highest level is love. Um, and that we need to, you know, live in love and and let that be our motive. Stop motivation. You know, but it took a long time to reach that, and perhaps that's people's journey. I, I don't know. So, do you want to continue talk, kind of talking about the your kind of uh, methodology and worldview as far as genetic modification and things like that? Yeah, sure. So the last point on that was that my uh, wife's uh, granddad actually did an exorcism um and it's just a point that there are things that we don't understand um you know there were children in the house and he was asked to exercise the house and again i believe it do i not i don't know but the fact is he was a a, a, a priest and was asked to to do that so he's a christian priest is that correct yes and, that's a catholic uh yeah he was actually church of england so that's a vicar isn't it um, I think so, yeah. That's right. I don't think there's Protestant priests, I'm not sure. Uh, no, so, but anyway, th I think that's my point. There were all these things going on, but that we don't really, and, and lots of people get involved in that sort of thing, and, and they, you know, I mean, as a crowdy, channeling these sort of things, no, it's, it's, a, it's a major no for me, because I think there are, you know, probably different uh, dimensions, realities, there are things that perhaps live in these places, or perhaps it's our subconscious, who knows, but it's not for us to understand. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, I'll continue there. Um, so we need to consider how the objective or life force or chi enters our reality. And we can see through things like fractal geometry that the shaping of matter follows certain principles. Uh, things like phi or coastlines and perhaps the Mandelbrot set are examples of how this process can be seen with our own eyes. Um, life continually evolves, and this is why genetic modification is a bad idea for the most part as it takes the genome in question out of the process of evolution. It is logical that the healthier we are, the more we respect our bodies and follow the renewal of our minds, the closer we will be to God. And many of us are scared to let go, scared of death, but through love there is nothing to fear. When we are obsessed and materialistic, this fear can be all-consuming and makes people seek truth from the subjective things that will make them feel better. And that's where divination comes in. The weak or those lacking in love seek answers in these areas when all they need to do is trust in God and surrender to love. Uh, we are being tested, in my opinion, and God created this test. And anyone who seeks to manipulate or control other people for their selfish benefit or focuses only on the worldly and the impermanent is falling foul of this test. We have the opportunity to uplift and nurture, which usually results in personal sacrifice to the giver of these things. I believe that providing a strong foundation for others to grow in love is my destiny on this earth. But perhaps we all have our own destiny, and the closer we can come to the objective, with purity in our hearts, the better we will understand what we must do. If we embrace this truth, those that would manipulate no longer have any power over us, and we can see their lies and fabrications far more easily. Their weakness and obsession with worldly subjective concepts is their undoing, but they will scream and shout about their power and importance. All we must do is trust in God and they can hurt us no longer. Love is the strongest thing. And something from Luke. 
And he in answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Like I mentioned that earlier, but I forgot that you put that at the end of the, the, the paper. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, I think that you've kind of gone the route of a lot of people. There's a lot of people who have come out of the business world and gone on the far other side of the pendulum, you know, myself included in some ways, man. When I was practicing law, I was miserable. So I kind of know, uh, I can kind of sympathize with how you were that process in your life. But I guess that's a learning experience all of us have to go, well, a lot of us have to go through. But uh, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? I mean, we're at 40 minutes. Any, any, if people want to talk with you or pick your brain, is there social media you're willing to put out or what are your, anything like that or anything you'd like to leave? Not really, no. I think that everything is contained with what I've said. Um, I think it's for everyone's own journey. Um, and I just really want to thank you for your work and, um, you know. Great. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time and a really interesting document. The uh, document that he wrote is the methodology of control and surrender in our shared reality. And it's uh, Matt from England. So thanks. Thank you, Matt. All right, take care.